Hey, we're in the second week of a new series, um, Take Care. We're exploring God's take on some spiritual practices that haven't normally been found under the spiritual practices category, right? We've broadened spiritual practices to, to really mean everything and anything in which God provides for us to take care of our, our, our bodies, that gift that he's given us for the mission that we've been given. Um, and this morning, I'd like to discuss the idea of FOMO. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of FOMO. FOMO. I'll explain it in a moment. A few of you know what I'm talking about. I'm going to talk about FOMO and how that intersects with the fourth commandment, right? Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And how that relates to the even bigger, bigger biblical idea of a Sabbath rest. And how that relates into and how that plays into how God takes care of his entire creation. But first, FOMO, right? So how many, how many got it right? Fear of missing out. Like I have... It's probably an unhealthy, overly developed sense of FOMO, right? 70 miles an hour down, driving down the freeway, and I'm just like, whoa, look at that, Diane. Keep your eye on the road, right? If there's a crowd, I, I've got to know why the crowd is there. I've just, I, I'm, I literally am afraid I'm going to miss something. And that moment in time, because a moment in time is only there for a moment in time, and then it's gone. And, and in my opinion, like, I, I can't miss something amazing. And, like, even if it's a rowdy, that makes me even more. And, like, my wife's, like, the exact opposite. Like, she's turning and running. Like, and I'm like, no, no, no. It really looks interesting. Those aren't gunshots. Those are probably firecrackers. Don't worry, Diane. We're, it's all good. It's all good. And I, I do. I, I, I rubberneck drive. Any, any educational show, nature show. Right? Add a British commentator and like must see TV. I, like I, all day long, all day long, I can have a list of things to do and fear of missing out. I'll, I'll watch that show until everything went sideways. The summer of my sophomore year, um, had a car, had a job. Life was pretty good. Um, and I was going to the beach pretty much every day. Well, that was the summer that my little sister, well, I guess, the, yeah, it would have been that summer. We went to Montana. We, we spent summers, uh, a few summers in Montana building log cabins. And, and one summer over the two months we were there, her spine, you've heard of maybe scoliosis, her spine went from, you know, the normal curve to 54-degree bend. One shoulder blade up here, one down here, rib cage sticking out, the other one kind of disappeared. Um, in about a month and a half, it, it, it just... And so they, they got home, and she was going to have surgery in which they break all the bones in her back and cement a metal rod about that long into her back. So now she bends over, right? And there, there's no bow. It's flat as a table. You can have coffee on, on Melinda. And you met Melinda. She, she came here. She's, she's my little sister. And so that summer she had her surgery, and it was a half hour from our house, um, that summer was also summer that the waves just, they didn't stop. And fear of missing out, I, amazing waves don't come every day. I'm trying to rationalize this. Um, and so I went to the beach every single day that my sister was in the hospital. I, I think I visited her once. And I'm, I'm ashamed. It's that it's not a good thing. My little brother, right, he drove down every day, made himself a little spot in the closet in her hospital room, and he would sit there all day long and just read and talk to his sister while her other big brother was gone. 
So while I surfed and adored my little sister, I, I also got unhealthy. One of the results of this was one of my very most important relationships suffered. I, I just I got too busy caring for myself, right? Fear of missing out. And again, then I got incredibly unhealthy. It was, it was just that kind of an opportunity where I, I, I wasn't eating because I was using money to get the gas, to get the gas to go to the beach and back. And um, I, I just got really bad sunburn. I, the skin on my nose all fell off one afternoon. It just got so infected. Um, so not only did my relationship suffer, but my, my health suffered too. Um, I was too tired to really care for my little sister. And not just physically tired, it, it affected me emotionally. Um, I could have swung by the hospital in the afternoon. I could have done that. Um, but by the time I got out of the water, it was probably past dinner time, or I had to go to work, you know, restaurant business between four and six. That's when you start. Um, and if I wasn't, I, I was exhausted, right? I was ready to go home. In Christianese or church language, I, I had violated the Sabbath. That's what I had done. But it wasn't about going to church on Sundays or not going to church on Sundays. Right? That, that, was, that was the weird thing. I, and yet I still violated the Sabbath. But, I, but again, it wasn't just the Sabbath day. I violated God's Sabbath principle. It's much bigger than just a one-day one day kind of violation. Right? When we're exhausted and unhealthy, we can't love wholeheartedly. We can't even love partially heartedly. Sometimes we can't even love at all. We're exhausted, and we have no energy for compassion or generosity, which makes us pretty poor disciples, <laughs> if you ask me. Um, I think there was a purpose behind the order of the 23rd Psalm. Uh, right here is kind of the middle section, verses 2 and 3. It says this, first of all, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Then he leads me beside still waters. And only then, you ever notice that? Only then does he refresh my soul. It says, if God is saying, unless we allow him to slow us down and put our lives on a momentary pause, then he really can't do what he wants to do in our lives. He needs us to stop, slow down occasionally for him to do what he wants to do. So God introduces the idea of Sabbath rest to his people. Um, Douglas did a pretty good job. Uh, Sabbath simply means Shabbat, uh, meaning to cease from regular labor. Kind of a little longer definition that he had. To cease from regular labor. Now, that sounds really, really simple, right? Straightforward, boom, boom, boom. You got a verb, you got a noun. I mean, boom, you're done. It's, 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 it's all there. But it's not, right? For, for 2,000 years, we've been arguing about what does it mean to cease from regular labor, right? To cease, right? Is there any wiggle room or are there exceptions? Like, I don't know, if your donkey falls in a ditch, are you allowed to pull it out, right? Exceptions, wiggle room is, like I'm from California, apparently not David, but he was there long enough to understand what a California stop is. Are we allowed rolling stops in this to seize, right? Is there any, and I get the impression that there is wiggle room, but how much wiggle room is there? And what does regular and unregular labor mean if, like we discovered last week, everything is spiritual, right? We don't buy into this Gnosticism where there's material is evil and spirit is good. No, God's creation is all good. It's all, it's all amazing. It's fantastic. And we're commanded to do all our labors as to unto the Lord. So what makes regular and what makes unregular? I mean, it, you really start digging into it and then you, you start kind of second-guessing 
yourself in labor, right? What's labor when you love your work? I've met a lot of pastors who try to pull that one. Oh, I love my work, so I don't take Sabbath. That's pastor's sin, right? If you ever hear a pastor say that, call him on it. We're supposed to take Sabbath too. And I've met a lot of pastors. Oh, I take my day off and I, I spend it in the office. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 no. So let's start by looking at the two key places in Scripture that list all ten commandments. The first place is Exodus chapter 20. I'm going to start in verse 8 because I'm only going to hit that fourth commandment. It says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day it's the Sabbath to the Lord your God. And so the commandment sees regular labor one day a week. Going to keep reading verse 10. On it you shall do not do any work, neither you nor your son nor daughter nor your male or female servant nor your animals nor any foreigner residing in your towns. And why? For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So we rest from our labors on the seventh day because God rested from his labors on the seventh day. Right? Let's just kind of lay that right here, and we're going to come back to that. Okay, now I'm going to move to the other list of the Ten Commandments. This is found in Deuteronomy. Uh, it's the fifth book of the Torah. Um, Deuteronomy, duo, duet, you know, right there at the word. It, basically, the book is, is Moses giving two big, huge, long speeches that are amazingly similar. So, you know, if you're reading them, be aware of that. You're going to be reading a little, little, little repetition there. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 5, starting in verse 12, again, only the fourth commandment. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Remember back in Exodus, right? My paraphrase there. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. Okay, so nothing different so far. Everything's still the same. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any other animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. Again, nothing different. Everything exactly the same, but this time we're going to find out why even the foreigners in your it, cities and towns, why, even, why, every, why everybody gets to be arrested. And we didn't hear this in Exodus, but we hear this in Deuteronomy. So that your male and female servants may rest as you do. I kind of get the impression that back in Exodus it was just the Israelites and they didn't have anybody else kind of a part of them, but by the time Deuteronomy gets around, there's been a little bit of, I mean, they're, they're, they've got some foreigners living in there, their, and, and Moses like, let's extend this, right? God didn't give it just to you. He gave it to everybody. So, right, you stand around, well, does my slave get the day off too? Yes. <laughs> yes, they do. Everybody, all of my creation, I'm giving the day off once a week. And in addition to remembering that God rested on the seventh day, now we have an additional reason to rest on the seventh day. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, right? That wasn't in the Exodus account. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, right? 400 years without a day off. It's incredibly dehumanizing, right? People had become faceless, um, you know, in our our lingo, they've become numbers, only a number, a, a cog in the machine, right? They were slaves to Pharaoh's insatiable greed. Sabbath rest was a gracious gift to a people for whom rest had once not been an option, right? You, you're not allowed to rest. You're a machine and you produce, and if you stop producing, you have no value in Pharaoh's system. And so two reasons why Sabbath rests, God labored and we labored. The first time in Exodus, God labored because we couldn't labor. 
And God says, honor that. What I did for you, this place that I created for you, it's amazing. Honor it. Don't deface it. Honor it. And the second time in Deuteronomy, God labored because we shouldn't have been laboring like that. Right? We could. We could. We, we know that. We know people that do. Right? And we can be forced to. We learned that from the Egyptians. But we shouldn't. We shouldn't. Eugene Peterson says this, they were no longer persons created in the image of God, but equipment for making bricks and building pyramids. In other words, humanity was defaced, defaced. And in that single week, in the summer of my sophomore year, I, I had defaced my little sister and I had defaced myself. Jesus warns us about this. He warns us about this FOMO, fear of missing out. This is Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. What good will it be for somebody to gain the whole world yet forfeit your soul? Right? Get your heart's desire, but get defaced in the process. Lose your identity. Kind of like the crossroads, right? Selling your soul to the devil. So there's a good reason why it's not only the longest commandment. I don't know, check this out. Pretty amazing. Not only is it the longest commandment, but when you add in all what's written about the holy days, the annual Sabbaths, we're going to talk about that a little bit, keeping the weekly Sabbath, more is written on this commandment than any other commandment except the first one. This is an important commandment. And, and in our culture, it's kind of been, it's a mm, suggestion commandment. And yet I get the impression that, it, that, that it's huge, huge. So it would seem, right, with all this information, that to make the Sabbath a, about correct ways to spend Sunday afternoon or, or Saturday or whatever day, you know, Friday, whatever day you take your Sabbath, to make that everything about Sabbath, I, th I think we're, we're risking missing, missing something if it's, I don't believe it's just about what you do or don't do on Sunday afternoon. I think there's a bigger, bigger thing going on here. Turns out Sabbath is nothing short of a beneficial, gracious gift that God provides, not just for humanity, but for all of creation, right? And again, why does creation need Sabbath rest, right? Don't only humans. Well, God says differently. Leviticus chapter 26, verse 2, observe my Sabbaths and have reverence for my sanctuary. That's his good creation, folks. Have reverence for my sanctuary. Don't deface my sanctuary. I'm in the process of redeeming all that went wrong, and one day I'm going to come back, and I'm going to inhabit this place, and I'm going to rule from this good creation. So stop messing it up. Stop defacing it. Very quickly, I'm going to show you how Sabbath really isn't just about that one day a week kind of thing. Um, first, there's not only the Sabbath every week. I don't know if you're aware of this, but there are seven annual Sabbaths. They're called high Sabbaths. Um, in chapter 23, you can read about them. There's seven of them there. Um, the very beginning of chapter 23, it says this, The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, These are my appointed festivals or Sabbaths. The appointed festivals of the Lord, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies. Right? So like Sabbaths, they're, they're like holy convocations, right? It's not just a day of worshiping, but we worship together. That was a huge thing, right? They would gather and they would receive instructions on how to love your neighbor and how to love your God and how to properly worship. This was, this was a huge, huge, huge deal. But there was always, again, one constant, worshiping alone. In nature or at home, it wasn't an option because that didn't serve one of the purposes of Sabbath. Now, again, we're in the COVID season here. 
And throughout the history of Christianity, there have been seasons where this has been had to have been placed on hold, and we're in one of those places now. So if you're at home and you, you, the COVID thing is like really got gotcha, you, um, stay at home, be, be safe. That, that, that I'm not implying um, anything here if you're home for that reason. Um, but in addition to the weekly and the seven annual high Sabbaths, we have a, a Sabbath every seven years, a whole year. It's not just a day, it's a whole year. Right? No planting, no harvesting your crops for an entire year. You couldn't tend, you couldn't harvest, couldn't be, the land could not be worked. You, you could pick and eat what the land produced, but you couldn't work it. Just had to leave it alone. The Sabbath year ends up really being an extension of the Sabbath day. A time to allow the land to rest, really. An extended time for people, servants, and livestock to rest. Right, to go visit family, family reunions, all that, that kind of stuff. And then, and then not only every seventh year a whole year, but every 50th year a whole year. Right, so you have seven cycles of seven years. So on the 49th year, you take it off. And then the 50th year, you take, that's two years in a row that you're not allowed to plant or harvest or do anything. Whoa, that's, that's huge, 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 huge. It's called the Jubilee year, that 50th year. And if you obey all these Sabbath laws, here's what chapter 26 starts. This is verses 1 through 9. I'm just going to recap it here. Your crops are going to be overflowing your barns, right? There's going to be peace in the land, no violence. You're going to be able to come and go in peace without worrying about anything. Big families, right? The gossips are going to move into your church, right? And then there's this. Verses 11 and 12, I will put my dwelling place among you. I will not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God, and you will be my people I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt so that you would no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. I broke the bars of their yoke and enabled you to walk with heads, heads held high. See, God offers, offers Sabbath rest even as a means of deliverance, right, from those nasty habits and things in life that tend to hold us and, 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 and trap us. Um, unlike Pharaoh... God rests confident, serene, and at peace. And he's invited the Israelites and he's invited you to rest confident, serene, and at peace. Even when, again, one or two years with no crops, can you imagine Maybe this COVID has helped you all imagine one or two years with no job, right? What do you do? What do you do? Here's how a faithful God responds. I love this. You may ask, what will we eat in the seventh year if we do not plant and harvest our crops? He saw. He saw. I will send you such a blessing in the sixth year that the land will yield enough for three years. You notice what he's saying there. 49th year is covered. 50th year is covered. You have another year left over in your barns if you observe my Sabbath. You will not run out if you observe my Sabbath. Again, this is nothing new here, right? Same as the manna in the wilderness. In, in Exodus of chapter 16, Moses is instructing the Israelites, right, about the daily bread, the manna that would appear every morning. This is in chapter 16, verse 23. This is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest. This was before the Ten Commandments, by the way. Right, this idea here. A holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake, boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. 
Same, same idea, same idea. And if you don't obey all my Sabbath laws, right? So now we found out well, if you do, peace in the land, your barn's overflowing, right? You got crops coming out your, your ears, right? You, you just can't stop it. It's just crazy. But if you don't, <laughs> check out your Bibles. God takes twice as long to explain what's going to happen to you if you don't obey. It's like 15, no, 13 verses if you do obey and 25 verses if you don't. Obey, I'm just saying, right? I'm just saying. Here's the culminating gist of what will happen if you don't obey all of God's Sabbath laws. I will scatter you among the nations. That happened. That happened. I will draw out my sword and pursue you. Your land will be laid waste and the cities will lie in ruins. Now, this, this, is, this is crazy. Listen to this. Then the land will enjoy its Sabbath. The land will enjoy its Sabbath years all the time that it lies desolate, and you are in the country of your enemies. Then, then the land will rest and enjoy its Sabbath. All the time that it lies desolate, the land will have the rest that it did not have during the Sabbaths that you lived in it. Theologian Wayne Mueller puts it this way, if we do not allow for a rhythm of rest in our overly busy lives, Illness becomes our Sabbath. I kind of talked about that last week. I, I push fear of missing out. I, I don't know when to stop. And I had a nice Sabbath summer. <laughs> That's best. Illness becomes our Sabbath. Our pneumonia, our cancer, our heart attack, our accidents create Sabbath for us. And so we find that to violate God's principle of Sabbath rest risks faith, defacing, really. That, that's the word. Um, defacing both others and ourselves. But at a really deeper level that, that kind of tends and results in defacing ourselves and our neighbors, I want to just go just a little bit deeper here, just for a few minutes here. Theology of Sabbath rest is also rooted in the nature of the Creator and His creation. Genesis 2, chapter verses uh, 2 and 3, we read this. Um, by the seventh day, God had finished the work He had been doing, and so on the seventh day, He rested from all His work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. If you're aware, this is the first time that holy is mentioned, and it's mentioned in relationship to rest, right? That's pretty awesome. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. We learn a little bit more about what it means, what, 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 what does it entail for God to rest. Um, in, in Exodus chapter 31, verse 17, we read this. It will be a sign between the, 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 the covenant, um, will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. See, that's not in the other, that's not in the Deuteronomy account. That's not in the Exodus account either. Refresh. Well, wh what does it mean that God is refreshed? Like, like Douglas, I, I, I agree with Douglas. I, I, don't, I don't buy the idea that God needed a nap, per se. What, like, like, I read in, in my, my Bible, and God lifts, lifts, lifts us up on like wings of eagles, right? He, he, he doesn't tire where we do. And I, so I, I agree with Douglas. I, I don't see him getting, wow, I need a nap. That really wore me out. I, I just, here, here's what I envision. Here's, here's what I think. Well, first of all, um, the Hebrew word translated refresh is nefesh. Right as a noun, we, we've looked at this before, life, soul, um, it's, it's everything about you. It's not just your physical body. It's not just your personality. It's not just your spiritual. It's your, it's your everything. It's your nefesh, right? And to make it a verb, it means to be lifted, selfed, and sold, right? To be given more of yourself. 
So this passage is saying, right, that on the seventh day he rested and was given more of himself. Even though he had given away of himself, somehow he figured out a way to to be refreshed at the same time that he's creating. He's also refreshing. I think the seventh day had no ending. Take a look at this in Genesis chapter 1, excuse me, chapter 22. The first six days have an end, evening and then morning, right? Uh, Chaos and then something beautiful by the end of the day. Darkness and then light, right? I don't know if you ever noticed that. But then on the seventh day, the day doesn't end. Right? There's a morning, there's an evening, but there's, there, there's not the culmination. Seventh day had no ending. There's this idea that it doesn't end because God, everything that he needed to do for us, he, he's done, and now he's just, he's just helping us understand and live within this incredible place that he's created for us. Right? And again, I think the seventh day had no ending because for a very, very long time, God just sat back and he reveled in his handiwork. I think he just sat back and, like, I know he loves y'all, but I think he loves sunsets too. I think there were a whole bunch. He's just like, wow, what I have made is amazing. And I think, I think he, that's the rest. That's the refreshing Eugene Peterson nails it again when he writes this. There is some things that can be accomplished even by God only in a state of rest. Only in a state of rest. And one of those things is the capacity and the desire to receive enjoyment and refreshment and benefit from our labors. We don't do that very well, do we? Right? We do not. We never pause to enjoy the fruits of our labors. Like work, 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 work. Bank it, bank it, bank it. Save it, save it, save it. But don't spend it. Right? We just, we just got this... Protestant work ethic. I don't know where it came from, but just driven, driven. And we're never allowed to enjoy what we have created. And I think God mourns when we do that. He does it. Apparently, he loves it. (laughs) He receives enjoyment, refreshment, and benefit from it. And I think he wants us to do the same thing. Here's the fun thing to think about. When Christ returns, we're going to enter into a similar state of rest, a permanent state of rest where we will cease from all regular labor, whatever that means. It's fun to think about that. But until then, one of the most important ways that we imitate and we image God to the world is through our own practice of Sabbath rest. This is is a witness a rested life can never be, excuse me, a rested life can be a subversive enactment of the gospel in a world that never sleeps. This is from Dr. Joe Gorman from the book that we're working from. Um, the power and importance of the fourth commandment is its placement. It's not just, not just what it's about, but where it's placed. I don't know if you recognize this, but it's placed right between the first section of the Ten Commandments that deal with our relationship with God and the second section of the Ten Commandments that deal with our relationship with our neighbors, ourselves, and our world. And it's sandwiched right in between those two, almost as if to say, look, unless you take care of yourself, you will not be able to love me and you will not be able to love my creation and your neighbor or yourself. You simply won't be able to honor the Sabbath This is my gift to you. Ignore it at your own peril. And so, theology of rest rooted not only in the nature of God's character, but also in his creation. 
right? The Genesis creation narratives, the fourth commandment, all the rest of the Sabbath laws, they all tell us that the Sabbath rest isn't just for God alone, right? It's just not just to honor him and the fact that he rested on the seventh day, right? But it was a, it's, a, it's a gift, right, for all humans, animals, sea creatures, plants, and the land. Listen carefully to chapter 6 of Genesis. I'm going to kind of highlight a couple words here. Maybe you didn't catch them before. To how the whole of creation has a hold on God's heart. And when humanity introduces violence and strife into his good creation, into his sanctuary, right, God's heart hurts. He, he grieves for all of creation. In verse 1 of chapter 6, when human beings begin to increase in number on the earth, on the earth, right, really bad stuff started to happen on the earth. Now, you notice that God, it's not a good and bad kind of thing, but it's two separate things in his creation. There's us and his creation. We're not meant to be separate, intimately involved, but we are kind of separated here. When the human beings begin to increase in number on the earth, on the earth. This is chapter 6, verse 5. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth. And that's written very specifically like that. And that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth. And his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created so God knows who's at fault, right? His creation didn't do anything wrong. His good creation is a good creation. We are the ones who are messing up his sanctuary, his good creation, and he's not happy about it. Here's the truth of the situation. This is Psalm 103, verses 13 and 14. As the Father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. So God gifts gifts us, not gives, gifts, I really struggled writing this, gifts us Sabbath rest because it's in his nature, right? It's in his nature to enjoy what was created, to be refreshed in this beautiful creation of his. He also gives us Sabbath rest because of our nature. Remember, he knows that we're formed from dust. He knows we're not immortal, right? One day he will make us immortal when we're glorified, but at this point, right, we're broken vessels. He knows this. So we have his nature and we have our nature. And to both of those, he says, Sabbath rest. Sabbath rest. And why don't we take this gracious gift? Why do we refuse it? It's FOMO. Fear of missing out. That, that, that's, our, that, that, that's the big sin, right? We, we, we think we can't afford to pause for even one day, even one day, or we're going to miss out on some opportunity, some way to secure just a little bit more security, just a little bit more peace, just a little bit more of what God has promised me. I can grasp and I can, I can, I can grab it. I can, I can own it. Just a little bit more. We're so afraid that if we pause, we'll miss out. A whole day of not doing anything? All hell's going to break loose. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. I, I promise you, it, it's not. See, we don't trust his promises concerning the Sabbath rest. See, and at that point, we make the exact same mistake that Adam and Eve made in the garden. They didn't trust. 
serpent said, ah, God's holding out on you. Oh, fear of missing out. Oh, what's he holding out? Oh, got it, got it. This FOMO thing robs us, it robs our neighbors, it robs God, and it robs his good creation of their innate dignity and worth. Observing Sabbath used to be a big deal, right, in our country. I think it's been replaced by gender, sexual issues, and science and faith, and a few other issues of kind of, you know, Sabbath has kind of become one of those suggestions, not a commandment anymore, right? We know we're not supposed to murder, that's... uh, But Sabbath, yeah. I do believe, though, that what divides us and what ails us today can be traced back to dishonoring God's Sabbath principles. Right? We got all these other issues that I think because we haven't spent time, regular time with God and giving Him time to look into our hearts and giving us time to look into His heart, we start attacking each other. We forget. That gift that he gave us to reconnect, we've been ignoring. We've had to ignore this COVID, and we're seeing the result, don't we? We we see it. If we can't be face-to-face, if we become faceless, it's easy to attack and hate somebody who's faceless. So my suggestion, one last word of caution, one last word of of grace. Um, Strict observance has only been possible a couple times in history. Right? Ancient Israel, like the whole, everybody's doing it. So if you're not doing it, you kind of stand out. Um, colonial America, places with blue laws in the south, a few utopian societies, Islamic theocracies. These, these are all, in our experience in this world, places where you can observe these kind of strict Sabbath laws. Um, but what about young families, retired people? What about the nature of work in our culture? Right? What's a young family to do when the baby decides not to observe Sabbath? Right? The baby says, you will not get rest today. You will be cleaning my diaper all day long. Right? Find another day because I own, I, I own all seven days, by the way. Right? You don't get rest. Or a young couple, excuse me, a retired couple, what do they do? When, when Sunday is the seventh straight day of rest, well, what are we going to do today? I don't know. What did we do yesterday? I don't remember. Let's, let's take a nap. I'm getting to that point, right? It's just like, oh, I'm kind of looking forward to that. How about pastors, first responders, truck drivers, folks working in the retail and service industries? Now, now pastors, I, we got a free pass. I'll tell you that, right? I'll just tell you, right? Back in the Old Testament, God says, workers in the temple, they're excused. But the rest of you, no, 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 no. So once more, God's principles, guidelines, and this is all I'm going to tell you. How should you spend your Sabbath? Seize from regular labor. And I think he was vague for a reason. I, r- I really do. Like, if he had, he had been too specific, we would have chewed each other up, right? But this, this, this vague kind of thing, right? Lots of wiggle room. I think as long as you don't deface yourself, deface your neighbor or God or his good creation, right? take care. Find a Sabbath day that works for you or e- even Sabbath moments for those of you who, who don't get that day off. Sabbath is a gift that sanctifies time. Sabbath recognizes time's going by, and and if we're not careful, it will own us. It will own you. So God says, not just once a week, but I want you to make it a principle in your life to recognize me in everything you do, say, and think. 
So my question I leave you with, how have you carved out time and space to allow God to look into your heart and allow time for you to look into God's heart? Have you, have you carved out that time? Bow your heads. Father, thank you so much for somewhat vague instructions. You, you give us kind of a free hand in this, Father. It, it's not highly regimented, it, but you, you drew a really, really bright north star for us here, and you kind of set up some parameters, some, some guardrails. So, Father, I get the impression that we're given a little bit of wiggle room on how we're going to figure this out. We're in a culture that doesn't lockstep. But, Father, we, we can still honor Sabbath principles and give you your due. And we thank you for this opportunity, this, this honor, Father, in everything we do. By the power of the Spirit and by the name of Jesus, we pray, Father, thank you. Amen.